Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Esports Asia Show, and I'm Andy, joined by my co-host Sabir. Hi, guys. And today we have in the studio, in the Asia Tech Podcast Studio, the CEO of Meta.us, Alan Cho. Hey. Ellen, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks good? for uh, inviting me on the show. Awesome. No, it's really good to have you. Uh, you know, you are the very first guest to this show, so props to you. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I'm honored. <laughs> I'm honored. A little nervous. No, <laughs> please, be. please don't be. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, today, Alan, uh, listen, we're going to talk about your project right now, Meta.us, of course. Sure. Then we're going to talk about esports in general. We're going to talk about the recent trends and the outlook of the industry. Yeah. But now I'm really interested to just know. Sure. How did you start? Ah, how yes. did I so start? So how did you get in touch with esports? Sure. Yeah. And okay. who is Alan? <laughs> and who is Alan? Wow, yes. that's so sad. It's, how long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> long enough. As long yeah. as you need. As long as we need. Okay, this, is, right. this is like a life story thing. No, so um, if you haven't noticed already from my accent, I'm yeah. like from the U.S. Yeah. Right. Um, extra points if you can guess what part of the U.S. Ooh, I like this. I don't even uh, know U.S. Huh? I want to say mm. East Coast. Oh, wrong coast, bro. Oh, wrong dang. coast. Well, wrong coast. What are the coasts out there? East, West Coast? Yeah. West Coast? Yeah, dude, come on. <laughs> um, then San Fran area. Yeah, so yeah, I, right. I, I grew up in the Bay Area, actually. Yeah. But right. uh, I've been in Singapore now for 15 years. 15 years. So right. I like to say I'm not a tourist anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> no way around. But yeah, so um, 15 years, and mm-hmm. then I was with Microsoft for a while doing Xbox. Xbox, wow, um, that's amazing. And then the last six years, I was Blizzard, taking care Blizzard. of uh, Southeast Asia. Cool. All right, so we ran that's everything. Cool. Right. And I think it was really at uh, Blizzard that you know was introduced mm-hmm. heavy into the esports scene and the community. Um, mainly because you know, obviously, Blizzard does a lot of its own esports. So we would run StarCraft tournaments and Overwatch yeah. and Hearthstone and all. Of um, those titles, and uh, you know, I got to know not only the region but a lot of the players mm. and the teams, and you know, just got into it. I, I, you know, before that, I've always been a, a gamer, right? But never, you know, competitive because yeah. I just didn't have the skill mm. really to do that. Um, but yeah, after we started running our own events and you know, seeing the crowd, seeing the passion um, of the crowds and the players, yes. you, know, you start to understand, right? And then when you go to BlizzCon, which is, I don't know if you've ever been to BlizzCon, oh, yes. but you, <laughs> that's a whole nother level of yes. of experience yes. where um, it's interesting where the uh, the players and the fans, you know, they feel real ownership of the titles that mm. Blizzard put out. And, you know, and then they go mental. I mean, really mental yes. about these where doing StarCraft championships and like, ah. <laughs> Even though it's like a Korean versus a Korean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And then, you know, uh, from that, you know, last two or three years, and esports has been around for donkey years, mm-hmm. right? We all know that. Um, but the last two or three years, esports has really gone um, to the next level. Yes. I think it's safe to say now that esports is mainstream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, and there are a lot of reasons for that. But um, because of the momentum behind it, you know, us being you know, me being part of Blizzard, you would have a lot of people kind of approaching you from different angles and asking, so how do I get involved, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
And what struck me the most was when we would put these competitions on for players and teams, invariably someone would, you know, one of the players, one of the teams would come up to you and they would say, you know, Alan, how do I get to the next level? How do I become a pro? Right? Because, you know, that's what they want. Mm. Right? And they believe they have the, um, the talent and the skill to do that. And invariably, my, I would give a really bad answer. I just say, <laughs> I'm not, I don't really know. Uh, it was kind of like play the game, get really good, and you know maybe you'll get lucky. Yeah. And that felt bad. That mm. just feels bad, um, no matter what. But now with you know you see all of this money, all of this momentum at the kind of highest levels, mm -hmm. it also felt really wrong from a industry perspective. Um, because the way I looked at it is, you know, when you look at any traditional sport, mm -hmm. what is the product? Right. The product is the players. Yeah. Right? Um, Man U or the Lakers or whoever it is, it's it's not the team. It's the players it's the on players, the team yes. that people want to watch. And so mm -hmm. if that's your product and uh, you leave that completely to random chance where these players come from, that just seems a bit backwards. Because, again, if you look at all those traditional sorts, they spend an enormous amount of time you know, scouting talent, developing talent, yeah. finding the next. I can guarantee you, man, you know the top 14-year-olds in the world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, They know them, that. they track them, <clears throat> and they're ready to sign them when, you know, if mm -hmm. and when the opportunity presents. Yeah. If you take that to any eSport title, I, I, you just name any game, I think you, you know, will all find, will be maybe unpleasantly surprised about, you know, the level of uh, due diligence that they do. Mm. Right, they're players. So, given that, it's like, hey, uh, that sucks, but that's also an opportunity. Exactly. Yes. Right. Yes. Somebody should probably do something to build that ecosystem for the discovery and development of talent. And then you know, ding, light bulb went off for me. And it's right. Like, hey, maybe I should do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. A right. Right. Good thing to do. Yes. Yes. So before we get to talking about Meta.us, I just wanted to come back to your point that. We are essentially leaving this to random chance, right? Yeah. Uh, I was involved, uh, I wouldn't call it an argument, it was a discussion on a Reddit thread where they talk about what's missing in esports, right? And my point when I uh, replied to that thread was now, especially here in Southeast Asia, we don't yet have the structure where the players who are actually good can just, you know, think. Maybe I should just join this, and from there I can just climb the ladder, yeah. and one day I'll get noticed eventually. Yeah. But the reality is, you really have to have an, a tremendous amount of luck to just get noticed right now at this state. I'll, yeah. I'll give you a specific example mm. that it really inspired me. I gave some, some general stories. I'll give you a very specific one that really crystallized it for me. Yeah. Mm. When Overwatch first came out, um, the first year we did this thing called the Overwatch World Cup, right. which is like nation versus nation type of thing. And so Southeast Asia was invited to have a, a representative country, mm -hmm. um, and uh, we helped the Thai team get to BlizzCon. And on the Thai team was a player named Mickey. Mickey, mm. right. Okay? And I don't know if you go know, but Mickey now plays for the Dallas Fuel oh, right. in the Overwatch League. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. And so we had, you know, we did our small part in helping him kind of get to BlizzCon and yeah. get discovered. Yes. And the other part of that is, if you know Mickey's backstory, right, it's pretty incredible. Um, you know, I think his father died young. 
there's a you know I'll show you, I'll share you guys a link to this sure. this Thai documentary that they did on him. But um, essentially, his his mother left him at cyber cafes for babysitting. Oh wow! And he just wow. knew that. that that's what she would do. And so he grew up in these cyber cafes, and then you know from there these humble beginnings. Now he's playing at the highest levels wow. of wow. esports and. You know, for me, it was like you know, it was a privilege to be part of that. But mm. then it dawns on you: how many more Mickey's are there in exactly. Southeast Asia? That I just left out of this. Right? Yeah. It, it was exactly. dumb, random luck yeah. that he happened to pick up Overwatch, yes. that he happened to you know run into our team, and he happened to go to BlizzCon. It's like mm -hmm. that. It shouldn't be that way. Yes. Yeah. I mean, right? like a lot of the times, you know, we like to look at the differences between you know esports and traditional sports, and I think the one big drastic difference that you've highlighted is the fact that in traditional sports there's not a not a set pathway but there's there's stages right you yes. you begin at high school or rather even before that you know you're in mm. junior training camps and then yeah. you go to high school and you play in high school and then you go to uni then you're prospected there drafted into the nba or nfl if you make it like you know there's that progression mm -hmm. but there's no progression like that for esports you know you it, can't look exactly. at someone's pathway from hey, you know, I'm eight and I'm playing Fortnite or I'm 12 and I'm playing Call of Duty or whatever and then just gradually see step-by-step step yes. what they can do. That's exactly right. And yeah. you hit on the exact analogy that I share with other people. Um, when I grew up in the United States, I played Little League Baseball. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I had a dream of being a professional baseball player. And no one laughed at me. It was completely legit. Yeah. You know, I would tell my friends, yeah, I'm going to be, <laughs> you know, play for the Oakland A's or something like that. <laughs> and, and, you know, it was like, we're like, yeah, cool, right? Yeah. You know, just play Little League and then if you're good enough, you'll kind of do the it's next thing yes. and the next thing and if you've got the talent, yeah, of course you're going to be playing the major leagues. Yeah. It, it wasn't even a question, right? It's yeah. just an accepted fact. Right? Because there's that structure to it, right? Yes, there's right. no structure and to this. That's what we're trying to address here in Southeast Asia, right? And yeah. especially now with your company, Meta the US, you're going to jump into that. Uh, but I was just going to add that it's amplified here in Southeast Asia due to culture where we are kind of lagging behind in terms of supportive parents and mm. the community self understanding what esports really is. And, you know, infrastructure also plays a part. So I'll give you a specific example. So I was playing Counter-Strike and I was playing pretty okay-ish when it was in the 1.6 version. Right. It was before the current version, Global Offensive. The problem I had was, even if I played good that time, there was this problem that I live in a rural side of Indonesia. Mm. Right, I'm from Indonesia, by the way. So I live in a part that's not supportive of esports in any way, even in terms of cyber cafes, like the equipments are like Logitech, you know, those generic, generic equipments, right? Mm -hmm. So then I played online, and then I got pretty good, but then the problem becomes I was accused of cheating and the way to prove that I did not actually cheat is to play on LAN, mm. which involves me traveling to the capital city of Indonesia and, you know, just basically uh, prove to everyone that, hey, I'm legit. Mm -hmm. But that's a problem because it's not easy for an 11-year-old kid <laughs> to convince their parents, mom, I need to prove I'm not a cheater. <laughs> I need to fly to Jakarta Damn. and I need to prove to everyone. So that kind of uh, puts your dream down in a way. Mm. And I think this problem is still around for the youths of uh, the countries that we have in the region, right? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I think 
you know, there's so much. Um, I will, we'll, I guess, we'll talk a little bit about what we do, but even mm. what we do, it's just a piece of what's needed in a larger oh, yeah. ecosystem. There's so many different pieces that are needed to mm. even replicate what you see in traditional sports. So, but it'll require a lot of people doing a yes. lot of different things. Um, regarding the mindset, I have a little bit different take right. on that. You know, obviously, you know, I grew up in the U.S., slightly different culture. Um, but I grew up in a Chinese household, so mm. SAT still mattered <laughs> a lot. Where you went to school matters a yes. lot. Yeah. Right? We all we all kind of uh, you know that Asian family values thing, which mm-hmm. which is strong and it's good. Yeah. But you know my takeaway now that I'm a parent as well, and you know my daughter's likes to play games as well, and I play with her, is um, it's not so much. I don't think it stems from the fact like oh we just hate games, like games yes. are evil. It's more from the fact like. I just worry about my child, yeah. Right. Yes. I want my child to be secure, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, what well, we want all our children. Mm-hmm. I want them to have a good job, make a good living, and not have to struggle. Full stop. Right. Yeah. Um, and with games, it's like they just don't see where it could go. Mm. Right. It's it's not until fairly recently like yes. a really mainstream thing that they could look turn on the TV yeah. and say, "Oh, there's some gamers." Somewhere. Mobile Legends is yeah. playing on TV. Yeah, yeah. Mobile Legends TV. Like, look, they're making. So I think if they actually saw a legitimate path, yeah. then they wouldn't be so against it, mm. right? And again, I don't think there's anything inherently in gaming that yeah. is, yes. they are against. It's yes. simply that I don't see a future mm. in my child, and he will struggle or she will struggle. Yes. Yeah, and so I, don't, I don't think it's unfair, you know, on 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 the parents uh, or society's part as well, because it's hard to ask someone to just visualize exactly. something that doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. Or liken it to something that does exist when you know you don't know whether or not that's going to happen. Right. And it's, I mean, it goes exactly back to what you're saying. You know, it's not just one step or two steps or three steps that we need to take in this industry. It's it's a whole collective effort. That's right. You know? But I just don't know if players in the industry are, you know, doing that for the mm. for the best interests of, you know, the players or uh, actually, yeah, the players being my main concern, to be honest. Right. Yeah. That's where it so starts. Yeah, that, that, that's yeah. the great point here, because the problem is not inherent with people. It's mm. not that we're against gaming. We're against the idea of esports being a legitimate career choice. It's about understanding. Right. That's right. We don't know where this is going. And that's why we started the show to make more sense of this, right? So let's just jump right in into what your project is all about. Okay, Alan. it's a nice segue. <laughs> so you know, all that that previous conversation was a nice lead up. So you know, we all agree esports is mainstream, um, and we all agree that it's got a lot of momentum, and we all agree that it's a it's a legitimate sport. It is right. It's definitely requires dedication like mm. any any other vocation or uh, professional athlete you gotta yeah. you gotta put in the hours you and, work man and work yes. and you know it's not easy so um what is needed right well how can you know we help what can we do to help promote that and i i think for us uh, we take it from again very grassroots right you know the stories that we talked about with mickey and the others right what are the challenges that they face, right? And take for yourself when mm-hmm. you played um, Counter-Strike, right? Counter-Strike is a team game. It is. Right? So, you know, you could be awesome, which I'm sure you are, right? <laughs> but in the end, if you don't have, you know, a team to support you, then, you know, A, you're not going to go anywhere, and B, you know, you can't even compete. Exactly. And so most of the eSport titles these days are team games. 
So, you know, we looked at it from, I am great, right? And what's the next step? What are the obstacles? How can we help solve that? What's the next one? How do we solve that? And so, you know, take that again, example, say Counter-Strike. I'm really good. Um, there's a tournament coming up. Mm -hmm. I like to participate, on, but I'm solo, right? Because, again, the, you know, a lot of people like, think, oh, yeah, you just kind of go with your friends and then you play. <laughs> well, you know, that's the difference between pickup basketball and, and league basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pickup yes. basketball, oh, yeah, show up, you know, get a workout. I don't really care if I win or lose. Just mm -hmm. kind of yeah. do my thing. Um, but if you're really serious about competing, no, I don't want to, I, I need four guys who are going to treat this serious and yes. going to put in the time, right? And finding those individuals isn't always the easiest thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, think about what, the uh, way to think about what we did is like, now imagine like I can go online and I can do a search uh, for individuals who are, okay, aspiring pro and a certain rank and CS. And, you know, they actually play on this server, speak this language, or in this country, mm -hmm. right? And it kind of narrows it down. All right, there's these five or six individuals I can reach out and kind of uh, connect with them and form a team, All right? So that kind of solves that first hurdle. Mm -hmm. And then the next hurdle is, great, we're, we're a team. <laughs> now it's, we got to practice, right? We got to scrim, yes. yeah. right? That's another challenge. So, you know, you can sure, everyone says, yeah, just go online in the game and then, you know, party up in, a, in, your, in your five stack or whatever <laughs> it is and just play a bunch of matches. Like, again, um, I, it, on paper, that sounds like the right way to go. But in reality, it's like, yeah, if I don't get a good match, if these guys are a bunch of scrubs on the other yeah. side, mm -hmm. then we've wasted how many precious hours of practice time so you've got to find other teams that are at the same level as you. Yeah. And again, that's not the easiest thing to do. No. Um, so again, our platform, I imagine you can find teams that are about the same level and you can actually mm -hmm. schedule a scrim. And then it's like, great, now we're ready to play in a tournament. Let's go find a tournament play in. And again, anyone who's actually looked into the tournament scene is, it, they don't always make it easy for yeah. like the amateur or beginning levels to actually find something appropriate for yeah. you. Um, and again, like for us, it's like, well, if we can get uh, all the tournaments together into one place, all you have to do is search it mm. and find it mm. and then register for it, all right? Wouldn't that be so much better? Mm. And then the, the end of the rainbow, the dream of everyone is, okay, now we're winning tournaments. I want to quit my day job or I want to drop out <laughs> of school, <laughs> right? And find a sponsor and play full time, uh, which again is very legit these days. Yeah. Happens. Happens yep. all the time, right? You know, you hear about teenagers getting signed now mm -hmm. um, to, you know, pretty big contracts. Um, but the question is how, you know, if you're, if you think back to when you were 16 or 18, A, how do I even find these people? How do I find a sponsor? And then when I actually find them, what do you say? Mm. And what do you show? And what do you show, yeah. right? So that is probably the biggest hurdle, yeah. right, that, that players have. And, you know, again, for us, uh, we want to facilitate that as well. I don't know that we're going to be able to teach, you know, teenagers how to present themselves, but at least maybe we can help them get into contact yes. with the right people yes. and get you discovered. Provide, provide the platform for that. Yes. That's right. So really the tagline for our, our entire platform is get discovered. Get, get the, discovered. Yeah, that's a really good sense. one. Yeah. That's really good. And I think it really gets uh, back to your point where... Uh, to get discovered in the first place, you have to know where you're going, right? Mm -hmm. And I think what Meta.us is doing right is you show people that you can start here and we'll help you go along this path. Mm. And then uh, on the way, you'll discover for yourself 
what's good for you and what's in on the table for you, right? That's right. And I think that, you know, people always start with saying, I'm going to be a player. Yeah. Mm. But I think as they get into it, like anything else, when you get into something deeply, you realize that uh, there's so many other things that are part of esports yes, that maybe I'm better suited for, right? Not everyone's going to be playing for Team Liquid, right? I mean, let's face it. <laughs> But but there's a lot of other things that are exactly. needed in the industry that are associated with esports, yes. and I think you know for me, um, the focus right now seems in to be inordinately focused on you know teams and stuff like that. Um, but you need casters, you need influencers, mm. you need production, you need managers, yep. coaches, all of those things. Again, you mm. know, the five guys or four guys or one person that you see on stage. Right, no one does anything alone. Yeah, and so there needs to be a whole support system behind those individuals. And I think even uh, more than you know, say players, but that's what's really, really lacking. Yeah. Right. Even the professional teams, I think, you know, don't have nearly the support staff that you would. Right. They would want. Right to really help them perform at the optimal Again, levels. Again, you can you can draw the parallels to traditional sports. You know, every time, right? I mean, like we've already mentioned, the NBA, the NFL. You got assistant coaches, you got managers, you got yeah. you know office staff, equipment staff. You know, a whole like host of people just helping these five people that you see on TV do what they do, and you know, do it to their best of their ability. That's right. 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 So yeah. So the amount of like available opportunities are vastless. Like uh, it's vast, mm -hmm. right? But the thing is, uh, one of the questions I've been asking myself is, what is the key pillar here, right? So you mentioned we need, of course, players, teams, and then we need the organizers of the tournaments, then we right. need the production crew, right? But what is really driving this industry in the first place? That you know made these opportunities available. Ah. Yeah. So what do you mm. think is driving everything so that, you know, we can pinpoint like, you know, which players are playing the best uh, hand right now? Who in are the industry. Th in the industry. Yeah. So who are moving the needles? It's an interesting question. So um I have my own theory on this. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, Please do share. I, I could be totally wrong. <laughs> no, that's fine. It's just my own take We're exploring, on it. Yes. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh and uh, welcome feedback. So I think, you know, it's like esports has been around for decades. Mm. And then why last few years has it kind of taken off? Um, my, own, my own theory is like there are a few things happened, right? Obviously, there's always catalysts. Yes. Um, I think, you know, coming from the Blizzard standpoint, Blizzard, you know, you could argue that StarCraft was maybe the grandfather title of yeah. a lot of modern esports. Mm -hmm. um, or you could say, you know, Warcraft 3, whichever. Yeah. But... Um, we always we and I'm not there anymore. That's that's how powerful <laughs> Blizzard is. You know, yes. Right. But but the company always looked at it for a long time as basically a cost center. It's fan service. Yeah. Right. People love playing it. Great. Let's hold a tournament. You know, give some prize money and, uh, and a way to thank say thank you and have engagement and then we're done mm. and then wait till next year. Mm. Um, nice. It was a cost center, right? It, it was something that cost us money. It didn't make us money. Um, I think. One of the major shifts within Blizzard anyway was like, hey, wait a minute. We could actually turn this into a business. Mm. Like we could actually turn this into a revenue driver. Right. And uh, the business innovation that happened was essentially the Overwatch League when they started selling franchises. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Like 
wow, like people actually pay money to have an Overwatch team, mm-hmm. and not just a small amount of money, like twenty million dollars yeah. per team. Okay, per team, that funds a lot of stuff. Yeah. Okay, now that's that. I think that was one of the catalysts. The second catalyst was like. I was just amazed that someone would pay $20 million, frankly. Yeah. And that was the other catalyst. Like somebody actually put, not somebody, but 12 teams, right? 12 individuals yeah. or organizations ponied up. And uh, the third part of that, it wasn't just anybody. I think the, the other thing with esports historically has been it's been endemics that have kind of sponsored, you know, yeah. the, mm. you know the, uh, the Razors of the World or the HPs or the Dells. Yeah. But they all—they were all kind of part of the industry. They had In a the reason place, to yes. be there, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They wanted to kind of sell stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what you see is like in the Overwatch. I guess because I know know that best, right? You had people like um, um, the Cranky family, which owns Arsenal. Yeah. Mm. Right. The Kraft family, which owns the New England Patriots. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. These guys are smart businessmen from professional sports. They wouldn't just throw twenty million dollars, you know just for fun. They they actually, I'm sure they think, hey, this is like a future opportunity. Yeah, they've done their duty. They've done their due diligence. Yeah. They're putting money in. So now, I guess the, the way I would term it, you've got really smart money coming in. Yeah. Right? And once you have those type of individuals coming in, it puts a real stamp of legitimacy yeah. on mm-hmm. esports. Like, wow, if these guys are going in, right? Then Everyone's like, hey, go. wait a yes. minute. Right? Then do they know something? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one, esports kind of became a business. Two, you had uh, investors, right, popping in. And then I think the, uh, the other is, you know, innovations, technology innovations like Twitch. Yeah, to gather the eyeballs, exactly. right? Gather yes. the eyeballs, yeah. right? Like, hey, wait a minute. Like, uh, there are people watching this stuff. <laughs> Not just a few people, a lot. Because yes. when you, the, again, the I think the, the business innovation is great franchise, but it's not just the franchise, it's, I start a league, and how do most of the may and the leagues make money? Broadcast rights. Yep. Broadcast rights. Yep. Right. They sell the broadcast rights to the NBA for billions of dollars, and then they share that money with the teams. Yeah. Right. And I think the fact that there are platforms like Twitch out there uh, clicked it with, uh, you know, the the uh, publishers and the investors. Like, wait a minute. Okay, there are people watching. Uh, that means that there is the opportunity for broadcast rights, right? And I think those are the kind of the three catalysts that kind of helped esports turn into what it is today. today. Very recent, mm. very recent. Having said that, I don't think anyone's figured it all out yet. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely not. Definitely right? not. We're still in the very beginning <laughs> stages of this. Big I mean, room to learn. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you you summed it up pretty well, but you also mentioned about how right now we're just looking at the top of the top. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, if we're again to, sorry, draw parallels back to the traditional sports, we're looking at the Champions League mm-hmm. of soccer, right? And there's no Premier League, there's no Italian League, there's no Spanish League. It's just that. Yes. And there's this whole like big, big group of millions of people that still want to do something and still want to put their talents to the test, but they can't yet. Yeah. So I think that's when it's going to really yes. pivot. Yes. Now, on that point, uh, I know Meta.us is now partnering with uh, the Indonesian Esports League. Yes. Yes. So nice. this is one interesting one that I think is going to change the esports scene in a fundamental way. Because as Sabir mentioned, the problem right now is access to this uh, competition in the first place, right? Now, with the Indonesian Esports League, we have 
universities in Indonesia actually acknowledging that esports is legitimate, mm-hmm. right? And now there's what uh, 12 universities. 12 universities. 12 universities. That's right. So we start with 12 universities, right? Then they compete against each other. Then they find a champion. And my interest right now is: Do you see that happening in the region, not just in Indonesia? Yeah. And if so, what should we start doing to get that to move faster? You oh, know? yeah. Good wow. Question again. Good. <laughs> really? Good. I don't know <laughs> no, if because, I have an answer. Yeah. No, because that. this is a very interesting point because this is where people will start seeing esports as a different thing. Uh, one piece of news I saw in Indonesia, one of the high schools, not a university, yeah. one of the high schools actually incorporated esports as one of their CCA activities. Oh, that's very cool. That's wow. very cool. So wow. that's one school. But, yeah. you know, we're just talking about one country, one school. But now our interest would be to bring this to everybody, right? Of course, we start with one country, then we start in the neighboring countries. Yeah. Then we'll have a regional league or something, right? Yeah. So how do we get to that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. yeah, I, mean, I, I actually have an answer for that, but right. it's 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 I mean, it's money. But um, yes. I mean, in the end, it's all about of everything. Everything is like we can we talk about all of the traditional sports. Um, it's not that they have they do have better infrastructure, they have better mm. ecosystem, better everything. But what drives all of that is there's money to be made at all of those levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's a business. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And. Um, and I think that's the fundamental corner that esports needs to turn. Right now, esports in an, is an investment mode, yep. meaning you've got people pouring money in. Okay, mm. at some point, there needs to be money flowing back out. Okay, mm-hmm. and for me, that is you know being you know a true believer in esports like all of you. I see I see that as the biggest risk right now. Yes. Yeah. Right. You've got a lot of money pouring in. Everyone's yeah, let's go esports. But at some point, right, all these smart money, these smart mm. investors are going to go, okay, I put this money in. What am I going to get get out? Yeah, where are my returns? Where are my returns? Yeah. And unless they see that, right, at all levels, right, they're going to say, okay, maybe I should pull back. Mm. And then we go into this another cycle of esports. Like we've seen the cycles, you know, it gets hot yes. and then kind of psh, yeah. it gets hot and then you psh, right? So unless, and I, I think, Sabir, your point is, unless... You know, we collectively, as a community or uh, as a uh, industry, whatever you want to call it, start thinking more strategically, mm. right? Uh, you know, we risk that happening, mm-hmm. right? We need to put in. We got to do the maybe less flashy stuff, yeah, and put to do the heavy lifting of putting a proper ecosystem in place, so that yeah, you know, there's everyone's kind of able to sustain. That's the word I'm looking for. Right. Sustain. Sustainability. That's very important. So, okay. The point there, what we've been talking about, we've been talking in this perspective of investors, right? Mm. Business owners in the scene, right? But now we're starting to see government support, right? So the very recent news that we've been hyped about is the fact that esports is going to be in the SEA Games 2019. Yeah, that's awesome. That is really awesome. Awesome. And everybody loves that. So then the next step is, of course, uh, Asian Games 2022. Mm-hmm. That's also uh, on track for esports. And finally, ultimately, we want to talk about the Olympics, right? But the sentiment right now is actually against esports to be featured in Olympics. Mm. What do you think about that? 
I don't know. You know, this may be controversial. I don't know mm. that we need the Olympics. Right. See, see, see. That, that's that's the perspective of the esports enthusiasts, right? But do you see an angle where getting esports featured in the Olympics could be beneficial for the scene? Oh, I absolutely. I mean, I'm not against it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just, you know, people seem so fixated on it. Mm. I mean, they're definitely pros. It's a stamp of legitimacy. Um, it would require a lot of necessary. Uh, reform right. globally around esports, like the need for federations and oversight, and you know all that good stuff. That yes. is actually very, very, very necessary, good, yes. and mm -hmm. it would be good. Um, but the, you know, esports is is not as much as we like to draw parallels between esports and traditional sports. They are fundamentally yeah. different. Yes, right. Like you know, uh, you know, I talk to as a startup, I talk to investors a lot. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, there's a lot of education of the investors, and I, I think one of the you know fundamental things is esports isn't this, isn't this one thing. Esports is this umbrella of you know ten, twenty, or more titles. And you know, when you talk about the Olympics, even the Sea Games, right? You've got six titles. Yeah. There are many other titles that probably could, should, probably would have been included, um, if you really wanted to represent all of esports yes. properly. And so when you get to the Olympic level. Like, how do you do that? Yes. Um, and then you have the publishers or the developers who have an enormous amount of interest, interest in and yes. say into what happens around each one of their games. Mm -hmm. It gets pretty complicated. Yes. Right. And um, is it? Yeah. Is is all of that effort worth it for getting into Olympics? Mm. Right. Or would we? Exactly. Or would it be better to spend that energy to you know build out the fundamentals? Right, that we've been talking right. about in esports. Right. I, I, you know, I, I'm not one way or the other. I can yeah. see how get, trying to get in the big forces that ha happen, and that would be a beneficial yes. thing too. So yeah, that's that's another interesting point where, uh, like myself, uh, getting to know that CS:GO, my favorite mm. game, is not featured in yeah, the C games. Kind of salty, right? Myself as a player, I feel salty. Like, huh? Imagine being the company publishing yeah. that game, right? Mm. So. Uh, this is also about uh, uh, business, I guess, in the end. So sure back is. to that question, then, of course, the driver is money and businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a really great point. So, Barry, you have something? Yeah, I've yeah. got a I've got a question from one of our uh, All listeners. Right, nice. Um, oh, there are live questions. Uh, yes, yeah, welcome, yeah. guys. Uh, <laughs> thank you for tuning in. Holy so smoke. let's check I mean, out what questions you have. We we said we'd uh, toy with the idea of whether or not we take questions. We said we'd take some yes, good questions. So um, <laughs> we've got a gentleman here, Michael Shu. Okay. He's asking, uh, what are the potential revenue streams for esports teams and companies in nascent markets such as Southeast Asia? where monetary buy-in and support from sponsors is scarce compared to more established regions? Wow, that's, that's a big question. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> question. No, that, that's a good question. Yeah, so what I can tell you from you know, my time at Blizzard, without giving away any secrets, mm -hmm. is that you know, the, the advent of microtransactions was a huge, huge Absolutely. thing mm. for in the gaming industry. Um, that being said, Southeast Asia actually is one of the lowest monetizing regions in the world. Mm. Okay, um, and then there's a tons of reasons for that, right? Demographics and um, GDP and economics and stuff like that. But having said that, uh, you know, there's still a lot of money sloshing around, mm. right, in microtransactions and games. So I think the the answer is very similar, which is you 
esports maybe for Southeast Asia needs to innovate a little bit. You mm. cannot. Yes, I mean we all bemoan the fact that uh, in Southeast Asia there aren't the you know ginormous brands that you know maybe other markets have that can just jump in mm. yeah. and then move the needle and just sponsor an entire season of X Y Z. Right, that would be wonderful, of course. <laughs> and 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 someday I'm sure that will happen in Southeast Asia. Right, I mean it's wonderful what what Singtel has done and mm. kind of jumped in and. You know, you need a few more uh, brands like that locally to jump in, and it'll happen at some point. But I think you know the the answer is okay. Uh, what works in other places may not work here, and so mm. we need to figure it out. And there are a lot of uh, models that we you know maybe could you could explore, right? Is there some sort of version of microtransactions in esports? Mm. Yeah. Right? Microtransactions. That's a really good point because if you'd look at the biggest uh, tournament pool uh, prize pool. The international, yeah, that's crowdsourced. There you yeah. go, yeah. right? So, I think the potential right now, uh, one of the things that could move, that could help move esports forward, is the audience, right? Mm. The players, the people who enjoy the games. So, then that's the interesting part because we don't necessarily rely on the business owners to move the needle, mm -hmm. but we can start like what you're doing with Meta yeah. US, the grassroots movements. Yes, right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we used to rely a lot on, on not just uh, businesses, but yes. like the game developers themselves, right? Like, I mean, if we look back at uh, League of Legends as an example, Riot had to step in and kind of, you know, formalize their own league and, and start that whole process. And off the back of it, you know, we can start at a grassroots level and, mm -hmm. and completely do other things yes. that complement it. Yes. Yeah. Let me give you another another idea. Mm -hmm. All right. So... You know, I, I'm I'm not native to the region, um, but it's, but I'll go back to what you know my own childhood was, and you know I told you I played little league baseball. Um, we were sponsored, we had a sponsor, but it wasn't Nike, right? It was like the corner drugstore, and mm. you know the the local, what was it? Uh, Jamboree. What did they make? Oh, they sold children's clothes. Yes. Wow. They sold children. So my point being is that. You know, um, rather than thinking about the Mercedes Benzes and Nikes and McDonald's of the world, right? There are plenty of local brands mm. that, you know, regional brands that probably now have heard of esports, mm -hmm. mm. right? I think the fact that esports has gone mainstream is a real advantage for all of us in that, you know, um, I'm very hesitant to name a local brand and get myself in trouble. <laughs> but but let's say a you know a, a national grocery store chain that will not be named, right? Uh, the marketing team like yeah, I heard the esports thing, uh, and the youth are really involved in our customer base. You know, we like get involved in like sponsor a league. Um, I bet that conversation has happened mm. in yeah. multiple brands locally. But here's the problem: they have no idea how to do it. Right, like if you don't play Fortnite, and you know you may not know who Ninja is, mm. right? That may be crazy for us. Like, what? You don't know but, Ninja? Yeah, you don't know Ninja. <laughs> but if you don't play the game, it's and understandable. You're foreign to esports, you're like, yeah. who yes. the heck is Ninja? Right? Yes. Did he yeah. wear a mask? So, um, it's the same <laughs> thing for these local brands. What we have is an inefficient market. Okay, mm. yeah. you've got. It's not that the money isn't there. It's not that the local brands don't aren't necessarily interested in esports, but they have no idea who to go to. Right, tell them, hey, I got approached by this team to sponsor them. I don't know if they're legitimate. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're brand uh, oh, uh, um, appropriate for a brand, or this local tournament. 
I don't know this organizer. Mm. How do I know that they're actually, you know, who they say they are and yeah. they'll do what they say, okay. right? Which is totally understandable. Yeah, that's fair enough. Right, Very if fair. I'm going to invest. Absolutely. And I think, you know, those are the things, like, to answer the question online. I think once you get to sustainability is you're not reliant on any one company, mm. any one publisher, mm. any one particular business model to sustain, Yeah. right? You've got... Lots and lots and lots and lots of brands and participants and revenue streams coming in where, yeah, it just kind of sustains. Like yeah. next year, if that local brand doesn't want to get in, there's another local brand that wants to mm. get in, right? Yeah. That's like where we need to get to. Proper market. Yeah. I understand what you mean. Right. Proper little leagues, proper development. Yeah. Yes. I really like that because then it falls on us to move this industry forward, yeah. right? So we have the control. We have the control. Yes. We do. He's, he's right, awesome. we do. You know, it's yes. it's it's uh it's a bad mindset to think that we don't have the control exactly. and that, you know, it it'll only take someone coming and like I said, ponying up twenty million to mm. make a difference. It's mm. not always the case. That's think, awesome. Yeah. So all of you you know, if there are <laughs> people listening and you know you you're organizing your mates into an eight team tournament, <laughs> that's where it starts. Yes. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And then you knock on some some you know local company's door and yes. say, you know, sponsor us. I mean, that's that's how it started. I mean, a, a, a good example of mine is uh, uh, my friend is really close to actually. Well, I mean, like. I'll have to go back to the League of Legends days, right? <laughs> I mean, if you look at the teams like TSM, Cloud9, mm. these guys were literally a group of buddies that liked playing and they wanted to play and compete and they mm -hmm. got together and decided to do that. Fast forward, what, seven, eight years? And now look at them. Yep. You know, they're closing down their seed funding. Yep. They've got NBA superstars, yes. VC firms, PE firms all coming in. That's where it started, mm -hmm. you know? He's, these guys, the CEOs of these companies started off as players and then they grew it into a legitimate business. Yeah. So we have another question mm -hmm. from Graham. And he asks... Graham. Graham. Wow. Graham's asking... Shout out to Graham and the Asia <laughs> Tech Podcast team. Thank you for the studio. <laughs> he says, great show, by the way. <clears throat> but does traditional sports need esports? So for example, mm. if you mm. consider the F1 or golf, which is struggling increasingly right. to engage the youth, is there an in to which they can actually come together and do so? You mean it tra would traditional sports get involved in esports? I think he means you know would would the so-called hype behind esports mm -hmm. or the eyeballs and momentum behind esports yes. help traditional sports that are actually finding it harder to engage yes. a youthful? Yeah, audience? exactly. I mm. think the 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 key perspective here is uh, the millennials are growing up. And they are becoming the major uh, uh, holders of purchasing power. So I think traditional sports are losing these people in a way. So do you think that uh, traditional sports need esports in that sense? You mean should the PGA make a PGA video game? Kind of like how NBA has NBA 2K. Exactly. You exactly. Know, yeah, yes. like the, you know, so NBA like has the NBA no, 2K so league. So the question is, do they need that? Um, does that help them? Yeah, does that help them? That's a hard question. I mean, because yeah, I'm not yeah. familiar with you know the F1 or right or the, I would imagine though that I mean just you know talking out of my yeah you know, no no experience whatsoever, but it probably would be a great great way to introduce a sport yeah. through the game. Like, um, 
Yeah, there there are actually golf games yes. like on Xbox and stuff like yep. that. There's even cricket games actually. Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, uh, and I I seem to recall that I tried it once and I learned about cricket through the video <laughs> game. Right. So so I mean indirectly it is a way for you to introduce your sport <clears throat> yes. and the basics of it to an, uh, a younger audience mm -hmm. potentially through a game. Mm -hmm. So maybe. Yes. Yeah, I completely I completely agree with you. You know. Um, I grew up playing football, soccer, mm -hmm. uh, my whole life. And uh, when I went to university, my buddy one right. time during the summer decided, hey, you know what? Um, I'm sick and tired of you trashing me in FIFA. I can't play this against <laughs> you. So we're going to play NBA 2K. And I was like, NBA 2K? You know, I don't what even, is that? I even watch basketball. <laughs> right. I, I hate <laughs> basketball. Yeah. And that was three, four years ago. And through the game, he taught me the fundamentals of what I knew. And then next thing I know, I find myself on a court playing it. And now, you know, it's gotten to the point where I'm addicted to my fantasy leagues. There you <laughs> in, go. In, in the NBA. So, yeah, I have to say that I completely think it's a great segue into learning about traditional sports if you're not particularly mm. interested in yes. especially with the younger audience. Mm -hmm. I mean, whack on a, a video of a ninja playing PGA 2016, 2019, yeah, that'll get you quite a lot of views. <laughs> That's a good marketing yes. idea. Yeah. So yeah, one one of the things that Graham mentioned uh, uh, just now is in China, F1 is especially interested in getting the youth to just get familiarized with e uh, F1. I think F1 yes. just sponsored a, a, a video game. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They 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 they're League, pumping a right? lot of yes. They're pumping a lot of that. Their sport. And so the interest for F1 there is that their brand is not particularly strong in China, hmm. uh, as compared to esports because esports is big in China, right? Quite huge. Yes. But now they're trying to get into esports because they see the potential there, and like you mentioned, they can then lead these people who are introduced through the game into F1 itself. Mm. So that's a really good point there. So any more questions, Sabir? No. No? Yeah, browsing. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I kind of lost my train of thought here. Uh, Sabir, you have something to say? I just wanted to thank you again, Alan. I mean, uh, mm. I know you're a little bit nervous about how this was going to go. <laughs> yeah, no, it was I'm, actually, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, It really is. It is, uh, it is. Like, like I said, I, I watched your first podcast with you two, and I really enjoyed the conversation that you guys right. had. So Thank you. I was like, if it's going to be like that, yeah, I'd love to jump in. <laughs> All right. Kind of engage. I think, uh, you know, a question I want to ask for you to just kind of share with everyone, what kind of games did you grow up playing, and, and oh. what's your story? Mm. With I'm quite a bit older than you guys, actually. <laughs> So, um, my own story is, uh, I'm not going to give my age, but <laughs> you're going to figure it out pretty quick. So when I grew up, PCs were just getting started, like, you mm. know, home PCs, like, um, big, huge, ugly green yes. monitor things. <laughs> um, and we still had these floppy disks. <laughs> so, Do you know that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you even know what that is? Right? Vaguely remember. <laughs> floppy disks. So, so yeah, back then and, you know, um, I, you know, it's like 8-bit, just... But, um, yeah, we, we got one. And, uh, you know, I spent a crazy amount of time, you know, playing those games, and it just became a lifelong hobby. Um, my favorite games of all time. So, uh, I'll tell you a little... Probably, it's a great, like, get-to-know-you question. You ask people yeah. what their favorite game is. My favorite game of all time is actually a Civilization series. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Okay. Sid Meier's Civilization? Yes. Wow. Yes. That's I, those, a deep game, man. Yeah. Those games. <laughs> yeah, so that tells you a lot about... <laughs> no, it really yeah. does. <laughs> so I, I really, really enjoyed that. Mm. Um, that was probably one of my all-time favorites. Um, 
I also really enjoy. Um, there's some console titles around, like, like right. the original Bioshock. Oh, yeah. oh, that's a classic. Yes, legendary. I, I love that game. So yeah, you know, it just spans an entire. And then obviously the Blizzard games were really impactful on my life. Mm. Um, yeah, those those those, right. those are some of the titles. You, you mentioned your daughter games as well. Now mm. she plays Roblox. She plays Roblox. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Roblox, okay. which is you know. <laughs> You know, it's, it kind of, th- maybe it's appropriate because it throws back, it's all kind of like Minecrafty, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. stuff, and it reminds me of my youth. So, no, she really enjoys that, and mm. um, I didn't really get it until I sat down with her, and now we just, you know, every Sunday we play for a couple hours. It's really fun. It's adorable. Wow, that's adorable. Yeah. yeah. yeah th- that's interesting because when you started dabbling with esports, you didn't have to prove to anyone or convince them, convince them that, okay, I'm getting here, right? But the problem here today that we face is we don't have we don't yet have that luxury, I guess, mm. that we can just say, okay, I'm going into esports and everyone is just gonna support me. So Yeah, it doesn't happen yet. Doesn't happen yet. So mm. do you have any advice in particular for those kind of people facing that struggle? Oh, like, you know, people who have who aspire. Yes. Yeah. Um you know, I in like anything in life, right? Mm. Um, you just got to not know when to quit, mm. right? Like, you know, it's like, I strongly believe like, you know, analogy in sport, it's not the, always the best team that wins. Mm. It's a team that can hang in there the longest and something, you know, I, I'm a strong believer that when you, if you work hard and you work hard long enough, uh, luck happens. Luck Oppor- happens. Opportunity presents themselves, Right. Um, I can't tell you how many times in my life, like, you know, it seemed hopeless, right? But just the fact you kept sticking around and sticking around and plugging away at it, and then something happened, right? Whether you, whether, you know, you inadvertently made that opportunity for yourself, right? Or you were really just truly lucky, but it does. You got, you just got to keep the, 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 the other thing I would say, there's no such thing as overnight success, Mm. Mm. Right, like you know, you, you've seen these. Uh, I think the cliche, like, yeah, he was a twenty-year overnight success. Right, <laughs> the, the 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 reality is, like, all these players that you see that you know suddenly pop up, mm. right? They didn't just pop up. Yeah, right? if you really get dig, dig deep, man, these guys sacrifice for a long time, right? And uh, you know, they all have. And I hope you bring these players on and they mm. tell their stories. Oh, that'd be a dream. So that absolutely, so that the audience can you know get inspired that you know right. Yeah. Even if I get these setbacks, right? That dude and 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 that 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 lady had these same setbacks, and they kept going. Yeah, because you know, like anything in life, you keep going, and that's how champions are made. Yeah. So so that's that's the only advice I really give. I mean, it's really hard right now. It is hard. It is hard to be a player. It is hard to want to be in the industry. Um, the other piece of advice I would give uh, is. Uh, like we were saying before, if you can't make it as a player, that's not the mm. end, right? Yeah. Um, there are other ways into the industry, and I would say that I think there's this. Um, but don't get into the mindset that you know I'm really good at a game, and therefore, mm. therefore, I should be X in the industry. Like I should be uh, able to do community or marketing, or I should be a coach. No, 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 no. Okay, <laughs> right. Uh, be excellent at what you do, 
right? So if you want to be uh, do marketing for esports, be an excellent marketer, right? Just because you're a great player doesn't make you a great marketer, right? So just be excellent, right? But focus on skills, right? And do your best in that and keep yeah. going. Well said. Wow, Alan, thank you. Those well advice said. will be resounding to those people. Yeah. And I think you That's just... That's old man advice. Old man. <laughs> I think you just described the whole purpose of this show in just two minutes, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So we want to bring the stories of those people, uh, the overnight successes, no and we want to expose their journey yeah. into getting that overnight success. Yeah. So and listen, Alan, it's been really great. And I think we both we both we all agree that this is has this has been an enjoyable session. Yeah, I mean so, we, we wouldn't be able to do what we want to do if people like you yes. don't step up and take exactly. the time to you yes. know, my Alan, you are our first guest and to be honest, when we were chatting on uh LinkedIn, you asked a few questions like uh qualifying questions, right? So I was already thinking, Oh damn, maybe this guy doesn't want to come to the show. <laughs> well, I, I can tell right? you the, the mm. best thing that you did was share the link of your podcast. Yeah. Yes. Because um, I, you know, that you, there's only so much you can describe in words. Yes. But once you see the podcast and yeah. you see the personalities, and you mm. guys are were intelligent, well spoken, thoughtful. Thank and you. I was like, yeah, you, you know, of course I want to be associated with right. individuals like that. And that is what we appreciate from you, Alan. Thank you so much. No Thank you so, very much. But last question. Yeah. Sure. Who do you think should come on the show? next <laughs> oh you know you know since we were talking about it about yeah. players you know if you can get mickey on the show oh mickey cool, right actually. okay really okay mickey cool. is he i think one of the things that uh really sets him apart is his um charisma mm. Mm. like you cannot help but like this dude <laughs> right you should watch some of his interviews and you're like really? I, I liked him already i don't even <laughs> right. really like him right so but but then he can share the story that I was telling you about in much better detail. I mean, the guy's just awesome. Great. Yes, and we'd love to hear those stories. So for those of you listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And for those people who think that they have a story to tell, which I'm sure you do, do reach out to us and we'll uh, set a schedule up and you can come to the studio and share the stories just like what Ed Allen did. So with that, I'd like to edit here. Thank you to my co-host, Sabir. Thank, thank you. you so much, Alan Cho. And I'll see you, we'll see you guys in our next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, guys. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.